Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times and straight away you can hear, can't you, that we're on tour. So let's set the scene. We're up at Harriet Watt University or at least a hotel next to it, hence the background noise of cutlery clanging and all sorts. We're on the outskirts of Edinburgh because today is going to all be about Scotland. Head of the Six Nations and their opening game against Wales, we wanted to take the temperature and a bit of lunch north of the border and I'm here in Edinburgh with our Scottish Supremo, the Scotch to my gin and tonic, our Times and Sunday Times Scottish rugby correspondent, Mark Palmer. How are you, Mark? Very well, thanks, Phil. Great to have you back where it all began. Yeah, yes, yes. I, so for listeners that don't know and don't extensively follow my career, and why would you have done? <laughs> I did used to do a podcast up in Scotland when I covered this as a graduate, so it's all come full circle. Nice to see you, Mark. We usually see you virtually, but you're in full... Array yeah, today. Full technicolour. <laughs> um, no, it's, it must be that time of year again, wasn't it? But um, uh, yes, uh, all getting very close now. Yeah, yeah. So, what we're going to do today, listeners, is delve right into the mix of the Scotland camp ahead of the opening game of the Six Nations, Wales, on Saturday. It's going to be a big one, isn't it? France, Ireland on the Friday is a big one, but Wales, Scotland, that's not. A, a victory that they've taken for a while, Mark, is no, it? down in Cardiff. Every two years we just add on another two to the tally. So it, it was broken in some sense uh, when Scotland won behind closed doors in uh, Calamitous Lanethley in yep. 2020, October, Halloween 2020. We I was there. there with you. It was exactly. horrible, We were about the only five, about two of the six people in the stadium that day. But um, So they have won in Welsh soil recently, but not in Cardiff since 2002 um, when Gordon Bullock, remember him, scored mm. two tries. Um, so so it's a stat that we repeat relentlessly back to the players every couple of years, and you know it hasn't changed. So uh, there's been a multitude of Wales teams come and gone in that team, good, bad, and indifferent. Two years ago, everybody went down there thinking Scotland were probably quite considerable favourites, and they still found a way to, to lose the game. So certainly nothing is going to be taken for granted in these quarters. Yeah, and Warren Gatlin's a bit of like the devil incarnate, isn't he, for Scottish rugby fans sometimes? He seems to be, and you know, for, for, for having had the temerity to always beat Scotland and then not pick underachieving Scotland players for the Lions teams when there's better options that, that seems to be the, the cardinal sin but you know I'm actually sort of any dealings I've had with them that, that there's certainly no anti-Scottish sentiment come across but you know it, it's also beyond question that Scotland do owe him one and, and do owe Wales one in Cardiff So what we're going to do listeners on this pod is, is speak to a few players we speak to some, some new faces Aaron Reid who's fought, who 
as you will hear from his accent, is not necessarily got the most Scottish accent in the world, and nor does Andy Christie, both playing their rugby in England, but Scottish links via their mother's side. We're also going to speak to Luke Crosby as well, and Kyle Rowe, who's got an incredible story, sort of two redundancies and all sorts. He, some good tales in there, Mark. Yeah, he almost sounds like a journalist with that track record, but uh, <laughs> he's, uh, Crikey, yeah. no, it's, he's a, a magnificent tale of resilience and, you know, every obstacle that's been put in his way, he's, he's overcome it, including a, a horrendous injury on his Scotland debut. Uh, I, I was actually at that in Argentina two years ago and it was just a horrible thing to happen on a day like that, but here he is on the verge of, you know, getting a Six Nations debut. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to delve deep, but just before we do, a couple more thoughts on where you think Scotland are at at the moment so won the first two games of the Six Nations last year which is the first time they've done that but still no title since 99 and have never got beyond third in the Six Nations so is this the year Mark everyone says that almost every year these days but what do you think? I'm struggling to convince myself and you know the the frustrating thing is that while there's been undoubted progress and an upward trajectory in the, in the last six or seven years under, under Gregor Townsend you've still not had that sort of breakthrough moment of going into the final weekend of the Six Nations still in contention for the title they've, you know, they've won three games they've won three games they've finished third they've finished fourth and in that time have knocked off a couple of sort of historical hoodoos such as not having won in London since 1983 they've done that two from two not having won in Paris since 99 they won there a couple of years back so this team have achieved sort of little milestones of their own but still can't quite go from being you know competitive to actually really competing a three away games this year always makes that it makes that t- tougher still um, but as ever so much of it comes down to that first game because if they do find a way to, to end this Welsh jinx in Cardiff win that game they suddenly have back to back home games against France and England which you'd be looking at going well actually they've knocked off these sides in the last couple of years why can't they do it again whereas if they lose in Cardiff you suddenly think oh those two look a bit a bit, a bit naughty before before you then have back to back away games in, in, uh, in Italy and Dublin where again it's proved a very a graveyard of hopes in the last in the last few years so yeah. So, so you are you pessimistic, optimistic? You've been I'm in the right in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle, and, and you know, I think there's no doubt that the the group kind of get a free pass for the World Cup because of the, the the horror draw they had. They were very always very unlikely to come out of that pool, but there was a disappointment there that they didn't really fire a shot in attack, particularly which is as we all know is the real strong suit of this team and had been in the, the Six Nations last year, the warm up games last summer. Didn't see any of that in in France, so I think there's definitely a level that they can go higher than the World Cup. Whether that is enough to then put them into contention in what admittedly is a bit of an open Six Nations where lots of different kind of things going on with our teams, personnel issues, coaches, players, captains changing. <laughs> there is a settled look to this Scotland team, but whether you know they have quite enough in them to take that next step to, to, to winning the thing, I think it's still a very, very big question. Absolutely. OK, well, there is a bit of freshness around. We've got some fresh faces on the pod, some older ones as well. So why don't we start with Kyle Rowe, who's got an incredible story. So next on the ruck... We're going to go through all the players, but first, Kyle Rowe. Okay, Mark, so next up on the pod, we've got Kyle Rowe, uh, Glasgow Warriors winger. And Kyle, we were talking just before we started recording. It just must be awesome. We'll get into it. But the, the couple of years you've had with injuries, a couple of redundancies, just to be back and playing. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing to be honest. Being being back in the setup after a, almost two years away. I know in the summer I came in and trained and everything, but uh, unfortunately didn't go to the World Cup and everything. Which I knew it was a long shot, but uh, you always hope that you're going to be able to go. But being selected and being in full time is it's pretty pretty special again. What does the Six Nations mean to you as a as a Scotsman and a rugby fan? Like, what are your early memories of watching the tournament? Earliest memory, probably not as early as some people as 
I actually preferred football more when I was growing up to okay. rugby. So one of the Glasgow teams, which one's it? No, it wasn't. There was more more like Premier League stuff like that that I was kind of enjoyed. Didn't didn't really follow a team or anything either. But no, it was when I left school and went and started working in a bar. I mind watching the Six Nations and people were asking me to pour pints and everything during the game. But I was sat there like just watching the game, being like, no, nah, I'm not pouring you anything, I'm watching the game. So that was probably one of my earliest memories. And I think that was a Scotland-England game at Murrayfield. I think we beat them as well, so like pub was bouncing. So it, yeah, was, it, was, plenty a, of pints it was a good flowing. memory, yeah. Pints flying <laughs> everywhere as well. So take us back through the last few years of your life. It's not too harrowing because a lot's gone on, hasn't it? Like, yeah. So should we start, obviously you started in sevens, then COVID hit, so you lost your contract with that. Can you pick it up from there and kind of how you rattled through the last few years? Yeah, so 2020 hit, I think I lost my contract at the end of October with sevens and pretty quickly just had to sort of find a job to pay bills really, which is where Amazon came in working the night shift like six till two or six till four in the morning, either chucking parcels in the in the uh, these like little I say little boxes they're quite big boxes then put on the van so people in the morning can then go and deliver them or putting them onto a conveyor belt for people to do those do those jobs so it was pretty pretty mindless stuff to be honest like and especially working 8 to 10 hours at night was pretty dark and then my, that obviously didn't help my sleep schedule or my, my mental health or anything because I'd be getting in at what 6, 7 o'clock in the morning sleep until four and then wake up before like oh it's, it's only four o'clock and then realize i need to be in at six o'clock so you've only really got an hour to yourself to have some food and then you're back in that was that until probably about new year of 2020 and then i was made redundant again by them which i knew was it was always going to happen because i was only a sort of temporary worker and then from there that's when edinburgh wanted me to go in and train with them but it was a gb training contract not a an edinburgh or like sru training contract so that was more just to keep fit for the olympics which again, then I wasn't selected for that. So my contract then ended with Edinburgh the end of June. But luckily during that time, I was in talks with London Irish and yeah, can really couldn't sign there quick enough because I knew I didn't have anything anywhere else. And then yeah, left everything behind up here and just went went for a fresh start down to London. Yeah, and then you got your cat. It was bittersweet, your debut, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's Argentina tour 2022. Can you describe what happened there that day very mixed emotions that day when I found out in the team meeting that I was going to be playing that I was on the bench started crying just because of like this journey I'd been through and just knowing that I'd kind of made it if that makes sense like all that hard work and sort of not giving up paid off and then as you saw in the photos and at the game singing the anthem I was crying as well pretty very emotional day Uh, same for everyone back home watching the game and then, yeah, as I said, very mixed emotions with then doing my ACL, probably one of the worst injuries you can do, being out for, for nine months. That was uh, 12 minutes in, was it? Something yeah, like that so, to the game. I mean, I got through the the what last three minutes of the first half, got myself into the game with a turnover and then just jumped over somebody in a tackle and then, yeah, just ACL just gone, completely gone. So that, that set back too, I suppose. And then you go to London Irish and our listeners will know what, what happened to the end of London Irish. Just when you were coming back from that yeah. knee injury, they lost, obviously all of you guys were made redundant. So yeah. set back three, I mean, it's yeah. cursed almost. No, hopefully not cursed. But um, <laughs> yeah, just kind of, I think the with what I went through during COVID held me a lot during uh, that ACL period. It was more of like, it is what it is mindset. 
I'd not been through an injury like that before, but knowing that there was potential of with London Irish going under that I might not have a club again, like I'd already been through that. So, like, obviously I was stressing about it because I'd proved myself playing for London Irish that I can play at this level, but not knowing if I was going to have a club again was pretty pretty stressful. But after what I'd been through, it was, yeah, it was, um, it sort of put me in good stead. And then luckily with Glasgow coming in, it was it was good them coming in, giving me a contract and hit the ground running with them and been playing pretty much the whole season. So, As you say, Kyle, the hit the ground running was exactly the phrase I was going to use in terms of the, the impact you've made at Scotland so far this season and obviously has led us to this point when, you, when you're part of the Six Nations squad. First game up in Cardiff next week, there is a vacancy on one of the wings with, with Darcy Graham missing the first couple of games at least. If you were if we were asking you to sell yourself to Gregor, why should it be you? Oh, <laughs> I mean... I don't. I don't like selling myself because. So I've never. I've never done that. I try and be humble and everything. But it mean a lot to me to be able to pull on the Scotland jersey again. I don't want it to just be one with it only being 40 minutes and doing my ACL. Um, but I feel like I've over this over the course of the season with playing 12 games and everything and scoring what is it seven tries or something like I've. I've kind of. I've shown what I can do. I've proven that I can come back from a pretty pretty bad injury and uh, yeah. I feel like I've got my confidence back beating players, giving offloads, things like that. So, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a good space if I do get selected. Good. There are a lot of similarities between the way that Glasgow attack, the way that Scotland look to play the game as well. And does that make it quite a seamless transition, even though you've not been part of this camp for a while? Yeah, so it was a completely different system in London Irish. So coming back up here and trying to learn a new system while also not getting rid of London Irish's system because I knew I had to go back down there anyways. But with Glasgow and Scotland and also Edinburgh, we all, we all sort of play the same defensively and in attack so it's been a pretty seamless transition and also with playing with like Sione, Hugh, Kyle Stain, boys like that like I've been able to get to know those boys and what they do on a rugby pitch and what they're good at and sort of uh, been able to run off them if they make a half break and stuff like that so yeah it's been it's been really good coming into training and just trying to bring that confidence that I've got the guys are involved in the World Cup. There's obviously a lot of hurt and frustration from the, the fact that I think to a man they say they just didn't produce what we know this group is capable of doing. I mean, coming into that setup, how, how do you sort of find the mood? How, is there a sort of urge to try and really put that better version of the team out in the park? Yeah, of course. Um, had a had a good review last week with um, what happened in a, at the World Cup, and there was a lot of good conversations being had and. Uh, how we're going to take the team forward and just be better this Six Nations. So, yeah, we've got a good, really good plan in place with um, what we're going to do mentally, physically and uh, with our game plan as well. So, yeah, just looking forward to getting into next week in uh, in Spain and then, yeah, going down to Cardiff. How much resilience do you think you've grown or had to grow with all those things we were talking about at the start of our chat, with the setbacks that you've had and... Do you think you're now in a really mentally strong place? Because you've kind of been to the worst ends of rugby, haven't you? So hopefully the best is yet to come. Yeah, well, I hope the best is yet to come. As I said, I don't want it to just be one cap. One cap and done. I want to get as many as I can. But yeah, I think I'm a pretty resilient person with everything that I've been through, which then puts me in puts me in pretty good stead. Uh, mentally, whether I'm selected or not, it's going to put put me in good stead. And if I'm if I'm not selected, then I'm able to like have that resilience and just sort of better my games, and then hopefully get selected. Basically. And what about the dream of playing at Murrayfield? I think you played there for Air. Is that right? As yeah, a, as played a young there boy? for Air and the, in the cup, and then obviously played the 1872 cup, which is pretty as close as you can get to playing for Scotland at Murrayfield so running out that day was pretty pretty special and yeah it just kind of gave me a taste of what 
playing at Murrayfield for Scotland could be like. When it comes to selection, it can't hurt that you can slot in anywhere in that back three as well. It's another string to your bow, surely. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, back three is so competitive at the minute with myself, Duan, Kyle Stain, Aaron Reid, Blair at 15, uh, Ross McCann as well. Like All of us can, can play at this level, so it's such a competitive spot at the minute. But yeah, with me being able to slot in at 15 as well, um, hopefully that puts me in puts me in good stead for a potential selection. Awesome, Carl. We really appreciate you coming on the pod and all the best. You've had enough bad luck, so here's hoping for some good ones. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Cheers. Really appreciate that. Okay, so next on the pod, we've got Luke Crosby. Mark, big back row. Indeed, good to see you as always, Luke. Um, the back row, as ever, is a place of uh, intense competition, but you know, you've know you been putting your hand up very well with uh, your, your consistency with Edinburgh this year. You must feel in the best possible spot to be, to be making a claim. Yeah, definitely. Looking at the games... Coming from Edinburgh, a club, you just need to perform well because we've got international back rows at the club like we see at Edinburgh and Glasgow. The competition, every single Six Nations, every single campaign is is up there. So you need to make sure that you're on it every single time you're training, every single time you're in the gym playing. But yeah, I've been playing well, so I'm just wanting to go go out there and give it everything and show everyone what I can do. You started the first two games last year, which coincidentally are the ones that we won. Yeah, <laughs> good win rate. Exactly. Win rate. I know, maybe we should protect that. But, but, but all joking aside, I mean, how much of a, you know, that must have really whetted the appetite to make sure that you, you are starting games again this time and that you can you can experience that again. Yeah, it's certainly like the last Six Nations, start against England away, win, home against Wales, start that, we win, and then got dropped. So that's pretty much the business of the sport but nah that's definitely it. I'm going in to start want to start these games and perform consistently throughout the campaign and it's just one foot in front of the other thing kind of for me like for now it's focusing on this training week making sure I'm doing everything right and then going into Wales if you're in the team if you're not just making sure whatever role you get and for the team, you're doing it the best to make sure that the boys playing get that result. You don't strike us as somebody who likes much get to you, but I mean, you'd only be, be human, you know, in an experience like that when you think things are flying, you've been going well, the team's winning, and then you're not in the team. Does it take a bit of getting over? No, nah, not. I don't think too much in it. Like the way I've came into this sport, it's kind of I'm grateful for it. So for me, it's just enjoying it. Like I go out there and I give everything. Like whatever happens, happens. I go out there and put my, my body in the line for my teammates in my club or, or my country so if I do that I can hold myself and be proud for my performances if something's out with my control and there's both games I thought I played well and I wasn't in the team so there's nothing that I've done that's done it. If I miss training or I slacked off and never done my extras or never done everything I knew I could then I would have led me to perform better. I'd be disappointed in myself but if I hold myself to my high standards then, then I play the best of my ability to do my best then whatever happens happens so that's the way I kind of look of it It was a, fin- a fantastic team performance against Wales last year and a, and a big win you know th- as we all know that the stats down in Cardiff haven't been great the last 20 years really is that something that the team are speaking about because you know this group have done well at being able to kind of get these monkeys off the back whether it's winning in Paris and in London you've ended a, a number of these sequences so kind of t- time for another one Yeah that's it like in terms of those Whatever's happened in the past, that like we've broke them before, so we can easily do that again. Like we know this campaign coming forward is big for us, especially coming off the back of the World Cup. We know we've got a lot to prove. Like as a group, we went out there away in France, obviously losing to Ireland. So we've done, we've processed all that, and it's obviously takes an emotional toll when you're putting that much preparation into the going into a World Cup. Then you're in it, and then all of a sudden it just ends. So it was a different kind of aspect. In terms of our competition, if you lose a game in the Six Nations, you've got a, a game the next week. But you lose against Ireland, it's like, that's it. So obviously, 
we've processed all that, we've reviewed it, but it's very much as we want to go down there and win, so that's what we're we're doing. What's the next level, do you think, for Scotland? It was interesting watching the, the Netflix series and... Great, you won the first two games of last year, as you as you said, which is the first time I think Scotland had done that in the Six Nations. And but the talk behind the scenes that we can now see was that's not good enough. Still, we need to keep going and going. Whereas maybe twenty years ago, Scottish teams would be quite happy with a couple of wins in the season. But what's this team thinking about, and where are you trying to get to? What's the evolution of the Scotland team? It's a bit like the way we look at an analysis: is the result doesn't always dictate the performance. So sometimes you can get a a really good result but it's not going to be relevant to how we perform how we train and vice versa if we get a really poor result we could have done everything and got beaten by the better team so the way we look at it is we know what we're capable of because we've done it in the past and we can see it come to fruition in training so when we go out there and perform in a game we know we're better than that so it's basically not letting the result if it's a good result not everything and we're not amazing if it's a bad result it's not that we're rubbish or anything like that it's being level-headed, being consistent in our analysis. and But we know how we're a world, world-class world team, uh, so it's just going out there and, and showing that consistently throughout the whole campaign. And, and do you think that that's the key to breaking the top two, which, again, is something Scotland haven't done in, in the Six Nations era? Obviously, Five Nations won the last one, but in the Six Nations, third has been the peak, hasn't it, in the final table? Yeah, that's it. Like We need to do it. Like, we've brought these records in the past. We just need to go out there and perform, especially if we start well the last six nations but it's just keeping that like kind of foot in the throat mentality like we win another game we've got to constantly review that Wales game what can we do better what can we bring to the next game looking at that game what can we do now what can we adapt to this specific team what's working well for us tailoring all our training everything even down to the stuff in the gym all your analysis your recovery it's all specific so when we get to that game we've done prepped our bodies right all the analysis is right and we're going out there to win so we're really excited about this six nations coming up Gregor, in terms of selection, has made it very clear that even the guy, Jamie, who's captain the team for the last couple of years, is by no means guaranteed a place. I mean, for, for somebody like yourself who's looking to break in as a starter, that must be encouraging, but also a reminder that, you know, you've got to keep your standards high every, every second of every day, virtually. Yeah, well, look, that's another thing I can't control what what Gregor does with the team. Like, in terms of players, whoever's in the team, whoever's not, like, it doesn't change anything I do in my, kind of, my behaviours. So, but I'm just going out there, like, I know probably best form one of the best forms back rows so I'm just going out there to perform and if I'm in the team then I'm going to grab the opportunity with both fans and try and keep that shut do you, I know we've probably asked this before but you know do you have any preference about which jersey number you're going to wear does, does it actually not matter when you're when you're out there that you'll, you'll do the same look to do the same kind of things anyway no I'll do it all mate it means that it's easy to pick me <laughs> yeah, so exactly. six seven or eight but yeah I played eight the start of this season which was with Edinburgh, which is good, it doesn't change too much because I can play seven and then obviously at six I can jump in a line out. So I can jump in a line out, I can do that stuff and then scrum at eight as well. So I'll take any role as long as I get on the pitch. <laughs> Just as a last one, Luke, before we let you go, as you said, this, this Scotland squad over the last few years have been quite good at breaking records. Just what would it mean to the squad to get that Wales one off the back and not winning in Cardiff for 20-odd years? How would that feel to you all? Yeah, it'd be... It'd be special, like definitely, but we know we're capable of it. So it's a weird one because it's not going to be if when we win, it's not going to be like, oh, I can't believe we've done it. It's almost like we knew we could do it. Like we all believe we're going to go down there and win. We know we're going to go down there and win. So it's not going to be a, a mentality of like a surprise. It's just good that we've actually got it. The scoreboard has actually shown what we are capable of as as a team. So, but yeah, definitely something that we're looking to break. Yeah, take it off next job. There you go. 
Awesome, Luke. Thanks very much for joining us. Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. So next on The Ruck, we have a new boy in the Scotland squad, uh, Aaron Reid. How are you doing, Aaron Reid? You must be having a great couple of weeks. I am um, very much enjoying myself. It's, all the lads have welcomed me very uh, very nicely. Um, no, it's, it's been a very good first few days. Yeah. yeah. Are you yet at the stage of like initiation songs and things like that, or does that all have to come? I um, The first night I had to stand up and say some stuff about myself and an interesting fact yeah um which was i actually don't think i can tell you i'm <laughs> <laughs> broadcastable okay fine, yeah fine, so fine. i don't think i could say that but um but no they made it as awkward as possible um and i think a lot of lads were cringing watching it happen so you know that's just rugby i suppose isn't it yeah yeah well we'd love to dig into your story because it is an interesting one you've played a little bit of the england age group stuff but I've heard via our friends at Sale that you've got a Scottish granny who's been badgering you quite a lot about trying to play for well, no, yeah. north of the border. Can you tell us what the real story is? So, yeah, my, my dad's side of the family is Scottish. My dad was born in Edinburgh. My gran's from Coldstream, so she's from the border sort of way. Yeah, every time, so I used to go up every, every summer like to Scotland just to go see them, and she'd just say to me, oh, when are you going to play for Scotland? Yeah sort of thing and eventually like I've, I've been picked in the squad and it's hopefully I can make them proud at some point you know playing but but yeah no she's she's not been badgering me so, <laughs> so but she's she's definitely been uh on the case telling me I'm Scottish as yeah, much as her, yeah. yeah. and how long has the, the conversation with Gregor been going on behind the scenes is this a, a sudden thing or has it been in the works um I think for when I first broke through properly at say like playing consistent rugby he had a chat with me and just said like you know we're looking at you sort of thing um I was about hang up two, maybe maybe over two years ago, but just December gone now. He came down to um, came down to Manchester, met up with me, and just said like, "No, you, like you're seriously in the talks now for like getting you in the squad." So obviously, a few weeks a few weeks later, he gave me a call and said, "You know, you're going to be in the squad. Like, just take a, take a bit of time because it's your first time. Uh, speak for your family, you know." And it didn't really. I didn't really need to speak with anyone. To be honest, I was pretty much like, "Yeah, okay, I'll go speak with my family." I'm yeah. pretty much it. Two like, minutes yeah. later, yeah. bringing him back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but. No, yeah, it's been going on for a, a while, but like now, I think the time's right because I've actually I feel like I've been playing like my best rugby at the moment. So yeah, it's, I think the time is right definitely to be in, involved. And you come into the setup at a time when we're kind of on the lookout for a try-scoring winger or more <laughs> of your dimensions potentially. Yeah. Um, with, with Darcy's unfortunate injury, I mean, you know, all you can do is kind of keep throwing up your hands, isn't it? Really, in terms of what you're doing with Sale and, and, and in camp here. Well, yeah, the, the main thing for me is like playing well when I'm at Sale, tra- training as hard as I can here, getting. You know, getting myself on the ball as much as possible to try and show myself, and you know, hopefully that will get me selected at some point. Um, I'm obviously not expecting anything, but I don't want to be, you know, just happy to be here. I want to try and push and try and get into a squad at some point. But yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm very much enjoying uh, being here as well, so that's good. Fans of the Premiership who, who listen to our podcast will know that one of your key things is your flat-out speed. How would you describe your own game? What do you think are your sort of unique selling points that can help you get that t- that test cap? Um, I'd say, like you said, speed is up there. Say footwork. When I'm on the ball, I think fairly dangerous. 
I'd say effort after kick chases like even though I'm a small lad I'll, I'll try and I'll get off the ball and try and compete and that sort of stuff um so yeah and, and also like defensively wise like I'm, I'm a little lad again but like still try and make my hits and I, th- I think they're the the main points of that would get you picked in a squad yeah well, we've seen this with a few clubs over the years where there's like a young core of guys who, who grow up and play together and build together and you, you guys got to the premiership final last year with a young side how much has that helped you in your development that you've got guys of a similar age who are on this kind of journey together maybe not all in the same national team like you might have tried to convince Tom Roebuck or others to come with you up north well, yeah, that's that's an interesting one but no being like coming through the academy with some of these boys and being there every day with them and getting to a final like you're experiencing things that with them people and growing up with them people that you probably a lot of clubs don't um but like you're saying about Roebuck there we were just saying to each other the other day like imagine I was on the wing for Scotland. He was on the wing for England. We were playing against each cut, other. Cut, we were, cut, yeah. we were just looking at each other like, "How crazy!" Know each other's games inside out. That'd yeah. be tough analysis, wouldn't it? Yeah. I know it'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? To be fair, <laughs> we were like, "How crazy would that be?" And we're like, "It's actually possible at some point that that could happen." So, so yeah. So, and how big in your career has Alex Anderson been? That like, he seems to be such a galvanising point as a head coach for the Sale guys and particularly the young lads. Yeah, I think. He he is quite a big point because he sort of like backs the young boys. He doesn't he doesn't just try and play you know the, the experienced lads all the time. He will back younger lads and get them involved. Um, so he pretty much gave me one of my first probably run of a lot of games. So yeah, he's been an important part and he's quite like on it with mind stuff as well. So you know it's strengthening the mind as well and getting you prepared for any situation. So he's been he's been very good to be fair to me. Yeah, yeah. selection dependent obviously, but. If you do end up getting a, a, a shout that you're going to play in one of these games, is your granny going to be straight on the phone being like, right, I've got to get some tickets to this, come on? I think there'll be a lot of tickets I need to get, to be fair, because I think there's there's loads of people up in Scotland that will be like, listen, like we need we need to come. Like No matter what game it is, the, where it is, everyone's saying like, we're, we're coming. So my gran will definitely be on the on the phone to me, getting, getting as many people down as she can, yeah. Hopefully that'll be in Cardiff next weekend. I mean, you know, the, the guys have been around the squad for a long time have grown tired of us talking about the fact that they've not won there since 2002. But, you know, for somebody coming in from the outside like this, you don't have any of that baggage. You know, it's just. Were you born game. then, actually? Yeah. Th- three years earlier. Well, I was born, yeah. But I can't is, that what, is that what it is? 2002? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the Scotland beat one in Lenethley in the Covid year behind closed doors, but haven't won in Cardiff since 2002. So there's a target for you. And before that was 96 and 92 when the stadium hadn't been built. Right, okay, so it's pretty. It's pretty a long, long time. time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't actually know that. But but yeah, no, I don't have any of that baggage. So yeah. I can't really think about that too much. Either. So I just go in with a fresh sort of mind. Hopefully, you know, never you never know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I d- that, that is very interesting. I didn't know. That. Do you, Do you have any? So if well, what were you when? What year were you born? Two thousand and ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay. Oh, so the last time Scotland won the Five there Nations. You there, you there you go. There you go. Then yeah, it's, yeah. it's written, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be your Six Nations memories then? What were the things that got you on the sofa when you were a kid? Um, I remember, it actually wasn't too long ago, but I remember the, I think England were up by quite a few points. Oh, the, the famous draw? Yeah, I remember I was in a hotel and I was watching I was watching that game and I was like, oh my gosh. Like the, yeah. It was a 36 nil. 38 all in the end, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, having been 31 nil, I think. Yeah, and then 31 yeah. seven. I remember yeah. watching that game yeah. and I was literally like, Bloody hell, Scotland are playing well. This like this, I think it was the second half when they were flying back. So I think that's one of the memories 
um, yeah, that's one of the memories I have from from that. We know the players are young, Mark, when their memories of things that happened four years ago. <laughs> yeah, five, five years ago. ago. <laughs> I can't go too far. Right? No, no, I know. We'll I remember know. it. I remember once interviewing um, Joe Thorkinasiga when he was coming through and asked him about his favourite rugby memories, and he talked about the 2013 Lions tour and George Norse lifting is there a flower oh, yeah. of his head, and I was like, oh, okay, that's quite recent, but fine. <laughs> no, yeah, I remember that. That was that was good as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's the, what's the goal? What's the dream? What's the aim? then for the, the next few weeks is it like everyone will want to get that cap yeah. is that the sort of be all and end all for you it would be amazing to get a cap but also you know just bettering myself in training taking it back to sale trying to make the, that better as well but obviously like it's not the be all and end all but I do want to get a cap so hopefully that does happen the World Cup was a pretty bruising experience from a Scotland perspective and again we can't hold that against you because you were nowhere near it but in terms of coming into the environment what sort of vibe are you getting from the guys in terms of the, the desire to put out a better version this time well yeah there's no there's no like I feel like the lads aren't holding it as like a, a baggage like you were saying earlier like I think it's just it's just driving on to the next thing and getting on to the next thing like, it's, like we always say like a ne- next job sort of mentality but you can't hold on to things like that but also at the same time you can also use it to spark you a bit more um, but I, I can't see any of the lads holding on to any of that sort of baggage, to be fair. Well, I was just going to ask one last one about it. What's it like being out on that training pitch with, with Finn? I mean, he's such a probably unique talent in the game at the moment and, and, and the way that he approaches it. From a, from a boyer's point of view and the ways that he can bring you into the game, what, what, what's that been like so far? Um, I, f- I think like everyone knows what he can do like, and he, he wants to bring wings into the game as well, doesn't he? So like for me, personally, like if he... You can get, you can put the ball like wherever you want it in space, and you you'll make line breaks and you'll 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 score tries because of him because he can just put the ball on a two pins county. So no, yeah, it's, it's definitely good to have someone like that, especially if you're a winger. <laughs> He'll score lots of tries. I guess you haven't do, done that much training with him yet, but can you see comparisons or differences between him and George Ford? Obviously, not bad couple of tens to play with in yeah. country uh, no they are they're very, they're very different tens aren't they but both of them drive like standards as, as much as possible so that they're very similar in that sort of way um, but the sort of style yeah quite different but that probably suits the way Sale play and this, that definitely suits the way Scotland play so so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the way both of them play. And, and Finn inspired your favourite Six Nations memory. There you go. That yeah, comeback you go, against right? England. <laughs> One more to come. Awesome, Aaron. I really appreciate you telling your story. Thanks so much for coming on the run. No worries. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Thanks, man. Good to meet you. Good luck. Okay, so rounding off our special behind-the-scenes podcast with Scotland, we've got Andy Christie, Saracens in Scotland. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys doing? Yeah, very good. How ex- How exciting are these days when you're not that far away from the start of the Six Nations for a, a rugby player. Yeah, they are. They um, You can definitely feel the buzz. Trainings are already feels like a pretty high standard, which is obviously brilliant. Um, and besides that, it's just been nice to get back in the camp, back seeing all the boys and, and trying to get a feel of it again. Yeah. How have you been with the Scotland stuff? Because I know we know you missed the World Cup because you've still got your scar on your arm. It looks quite gruesome. Listeners can't see it, but Andy's got a big <laughs> scar on both sides of the arm. So did you break more than one bone? No, I just um, I snapped my radius. It was just quite a bad break um, and didn't heal properly. So I ended up having three operations. How far apart were they? Um, well, it was over a seven-month period was my recovery, so kind of intermittently throughout that, yeah. So was that one of those that was quite hard to take or was it was it to miss the World Cup, which you could have been part of? I think, yeah, it was tough. Um, so initially, 
my first goal was so the first at first I was told to be 12 to 16 weeks so as a as a professional you obviously instantly think right I can do it and quicker than that because it happened in what April yeah last year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and so we had at the time we had the Prem final potentially eight weeks away and I knew it was very unlikely but I kind of set my goal as being okay let me let me get back in the the contention for that had a scan at six weeks and, and he said look it's, it's not right and I had to have a, another operation, so I had a bone marrow transplant. Wow, okay. Um, that was after after the final, so yeah, it still wasn't healing properly. And came up here for a couple of days just to kind of see, get a feel of the camp and stuff. Went back home and then it still wasn't healing right, so Gregor told me that, look, unfortunately it's it's not looking like it's possible. And then I found out I needed a, another operation. So I think the um, Gregor calling to say that it wasn't going to be possible. It was, it was something I, I knew, but essentially you kind of keep telling yourself like it'll be okay, it'll be okay, and, and needed him to essentially say that to me. Um, and that was that was tough. I think I, it took me probably a couple of days to allow myself to feel the emotions I needed to feel. And then yeah, I've been you know, back playing now for a few months and, and feeling good about it. Tell us about bone marrow transplant because it's not a phrase we hear often in, in rehab <laughs> yeah. schedules. Yeah. So okay, so the first operation was a normal kind of plate across the break with screws. The second was they basically get a big needle, stick it in your hip, take bone marrow from your hip, inject it into where the break was in order to kind of stimulate um, the cells to start producing more healing cells or whatever. I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't and then, sound very nice. Yeah. That's all I have to know. And then the third <laughs> operation was another plate on the other side of the bone and a bone graft from my hip. So they chopped off a bit of my hip, put it in where the break still was, another plate over the top of it, screwed through it, and that was that was agony. In fairness, that that one really hurt. The others, I didn't really wasn't really bothered by. So, it. how much of your hip is left then for, for your old age? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so there's a couple of scars there as well. I won't lift my top up now. <laughs> yeah. So, as much as clearly uh, that's physically painful, can you talk to us about the mental challenge? Because you've got to chuck yourself back in the spokes straight away. The position you play. Yeah. If you're going in half-hearted or thinking about, oh, is my hip all right? Is my arm all right? You're going to be beaten to the ball and everything. So how do you process that? How do you get yourself mentally back in the frame of mind? I was just excited to play again, to be honest. I think it's it's one of those things, like, for me, um, like, I, I play rugby because I love it. And so I was just excited to play again. It was something I, I'd missed massively. Um, and my first game was the first Prem game of the season, away to Exeter Chiefs, and they beat us by about 100 points. So, <laughs> yeah. so I sat on the bench for that game thinking, uh, maybe don't bring me on now. Yeah. Um, but no, I got back into it and, and it was weird like realized my rhythm kind of wasn't where it had been before and I feel like you you go back into playing and think you're just going to be at the exact level you were and and it took me a few games to kind of get used to it again and and now I feel like I'm in a bit of a bit of a flow again and and playing so I feel good and that's happening at exactly the right time that you know from a Scotland perspective Gregor's made it very clear that there are, there are jerseys up for grabs in that back row that that must be music to your ears yeah yeah absolutely yeah um look I think everyone you know everyone comes here wanting and, and hoping to play and I'm no different I've obviously been up here a few times now and would love this to be be the one that I, I start to kick on can you talk to us about the work you've been doing with Callum Clark? I know he works a lot with all, all of you guys at Saracens, but yeah. particularly back row. Ben Earls talked about it and his development, getting back in the team. What's he done for you? Yeah, I think um, he and I have probably worked together for the best part of three years now. Um, in recent times, he's helped me in, in overcoming this injury and, and understanding that kind of you're on your own journey. And, and just because, say, a surgeon says to you, it's a 
12 to 16 week injury doesn't mean it necessarily is going to be and and coming back into form it's also understanding that you can never be too high or too low so if I have a good game it doesn't mean it's the best thing ever and if I have a bad game it doesn't mean it's the worst thing ever so he's very good at helping me I think remain level and and generally he's also there as a friend and, and there as a listening ear when I need it yeah we were talking to Aaron Reed about the kind of friendly competition between guys that sail in that back three and I You've got a hell of a stacked back row. Yeah, too right. Stable at Surrey. So, <laughs> so how, how are you competing positively with all those other guys? I mean, Billy Vinopola, Gonzalez, Tom Willis, Ezekwe comes back a bit, Ben Earl, as we mentioned. There's, there's a lot of very talented back rowers up at Surrey, aren't Yeah, there, there is. But, but also there, there's a lot of guys with very different rugby educations. Obviously, you mentioned Juan, Theo McFarland, Samoan. Yeah, of course. Um, Can't forget him. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's a decent player as well. Um, but Billy obviously being more experienced so there's there's so much learning I can do there and and again it's the same as it is here it's just about trying to bring what you bring and, and not letting yourself get derailed if, if I see Ben have a good game doesn't mean I need to go and do exactly what he's doing it's just kind of having confidence in what I'm doing and hoping that the coaches will, will back that have, have they helped you get over the injury stuff too I mean Billy's had well publicised injuries with his yeah, arms as yeah. well Ben Earl recently post World Cup had a bit of rehab to go through didn't he yeah yeah so Billy um, I spoke to about it and he kept things pretty simple in fairness he just said look whatever happens kind of as soon as the time comes you just get back on the pitch just go back to doing what you enjoy doing um, and, and Ben as well he actually uh, the week I think it was around it was, it was the week I found out I wasn't going to make the World Cup squads um, it was his first start for England against Ireland and, and he invited me to the to the game um, sorry England against Wales the second test he invited me um, to the game and I saw him I spent some time with him I went to his place in Devon with him as well so like he's, he's a very good friend very good friend of mine and he, he kind of put his arm around me in that way so yeah, those guys are brilliant. And were you able to watch Scotland's games? Did you, you know, sit in front of the telly, or you know, for some guys that would have been too much. You know, knowing that they, or feeling that they should have been out there, you know, doing the better. But were you able to, to take in? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm ultimately like I'm I'm a fan first. That's how I always see it. Um, so I, I I enjoyed watching it. I supporting the boys as much as I could. Um, obviously, the same as they were. I was disappointed with with how it went, but you know, I'm excited for hopefully a massive reaction through this campaign. Sadius, as we all saying, you've kind of shown that ability to flip between all three jerseys. And, you know, obviously it's great to have that string to your bow. Do you, do you have any kind of particular preference or are you equally comfortable in all three? My preference is where the coach wants to play me. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> Diplomat at heart. <laughs> Does there feel like a bit of freshness? I know you've not had millions of camps with Scotland, but new co-captains, I don't know, there were some records broken last year, but... It seems like determination from what we're hearing to keep doing more. Does it feel fresh and exciting to be involved with Scotland at the moment? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a, a real hunger in the group. I think we felt that probably today and yesterday in training. The the speed and the accuracy was probably at a level I've not experienced, certainly at this stage in the campaign before. So, it's yeah, it's a very exciting group and I'm, I'm buzzing to be a part of it. Without wishing you to, to or asking you to talk up one of your rivals, I mean, how excited should you be about Rory Darge? I mean, as somebody who's round kind of top class back rowers every day of the week, you know, where is he headed? Oh, he's, he's a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal player and, and obviously... His leadership qualities have, have shone through again since at least as long as I've been here, if not if not before. And again, I've I've seen a few Glasgow games. The way he plays there is is outstanding too. So yeah, I'm very happy for him. He's he's a great boy. Just as a last one, Andy, before we let you go, we saw when you were first picked the emotions you had at getting picked and your family yeah, yeah, yeah. facetiming stuff. What would it mean to you to get back in the side and and have a strong Six Nations with Scotland? Yeah, it um, it mean everything. I think. 
you know, that's that's something that I cherish. I, I still watch that video sometimes just to, again, remind myself and kind of ground myself. One of the best moments of my life was was making my debut and, and singing the national anthem and seeing my family in the crowd. So it's a feeling that if I could bottle up and sell it, then I'd, I'd probably be the richest man on earth. But no, I, I just hope to hope to get the opportunity again. Awesome. Well, Enjoy all it. the best for it. Thanks, Thanks very much, Cheers. Andy. Okay, Mark, so we've heard from all the players. Everyone's It's a bit like pre-season, isn't it, when everyone goes, oh, it's the best ever and we're going to be the best ever and everything like that. So at the start of our pod, you were sort of erring between pessimism and optimism. Now you've heard from a few of the voices in the camp. Are you, have you, are you changing your mind? I think I'm still unmoved somewhere in the middle there. I, I, I like the fact that you know guys who were involved in the World Cup, guys who weren't involved in the World Cup, are all seeing that that's been part, that they've kind of dealt with what they feel went wrong there and um, I've identified ways to, to do things better in this in this uh, campaign. Albeit they then actually have to go out and do it rather than talking about it, so that's, that's the next challenge. But I'm still kind of thinking somewhere in the middle rather than two up or two down frankly yeah but it's that Wales one isn't it it is as Wales say, it and Cardiff that. Yeah. If, if, and if Scotland were to do that then it's France at home which they can do yep. like, hard, hard thing to do but they've done it haven't they so and we've it's all about momentum now after was it five <laughs> yeah. or like six or whatever yeah it is, so, exactly yeah. but that's that you look at that with all teams don't you you just go win the first one off to a good start and then you, you you're flying yeah, indeed. I mean, we, it's one of the biggest Six Nations cliches going is, is momentum, but it, it definitely applies to Scotland and certainly in the context of this campaign. It, that first game, I think the whole fate of their of their Six Nations will, will be decided that day. Yeah, so I'm going to get you to put your, your mystic mark hat on, um, get your crystal ball out and say, of the guys we've spoken to, who do you think we'll be watching on Saturday? Do you think Aaron Reid's got a chance? I think Aaron Reid does have a chance. Um, as, as we mentioned in our chat with him, obviously um, Darcy Graham is out in a massive blow uh, to Scotland for the for the first couple of games at least so the, the, looking for another blonde bombshell small fast winger well oh, and there's another one um, so certainly has a chance albeit Kyle Stain is now back fit after his, his ankle injury and performed exceptionally well in last year's Six Nations when, when Graham was injured again um, so so he's there as well I think uh, Andy Christie and Luke Crosby have both made excellent cases at club level to, to slot into that back row where there's huge competition but you know Gregor Townsend has made it very clear that their, their jersey's up for grabs Jamie Ritchie has been deposed as captain, so potentially, you know, or definitely faces a fight to actually start in the in, in, in the team. So um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see either of them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, that's been an awesome insight into the Scottish camp. Really appreciate the SOU letting us come up and do this. It's good to get out of London sometimes, isn't it? I'm often stuck in London Bridge, so lovely to be up in Edinburgh. And let's see how the Scots get on in the Six Nations. It's it's already come around. It's France Island on Friday, Italy England on Saturday and then as we've been talking about Wales Scotland on Saturday Mark I can't wait what about you where are you going to be on the weekend down in Cardiff yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed so uh, much looking forward to it Six Nations Eve there you go everyone so I hope you've enjoyed our little foray up north um, like subscribe share tell all your mates leave a review all the usual stuff and enjoy the opening round of the Six Nations we're here already but thanks very much to all of you for listening to this special ruck from the Scotland camp 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.